Hi everyone, it's Jen DeWall, and I am so excited to share this conversation with you today. We are talking all about leadership presence and self-worth. I want you to think about where you can go in 2024. If you just maybe think a little bit differently, if you believe in yourself, if you understand the worth and the strengths that you have. I am so excited for this conversation. Our guest gave so many insights, so many stats, and so many actions, opportunities for you to reflect, to see, are you holding yourself back? Let me tell you a little bit more about Tiffany Hauser. Tiffany is passionate about people and transformation. As an executive and leadership coach, entrepreneur, and a woman of color, Tiffany knows firsthand about the roller coaster ride of self-worth. As the founder of Evolve, Tiffany coaches senior leaders who are ready to experience powerful breakthroughs around their self-worth, authentic leadership style, vision, and purpose. Tiffany created Self-Worth Advantage based on her work with her leaders who experience feeling like an imposter. Self-Worth Advantage is a framework and approach that uncovers what's compromising your self-worth to support you transforming it back into confidence and trust. Tiffany's coaching creates massive clarity and confidence by reassuring leaders they're not the only senior leader in a top role or founder experiencing this and equips them with the tools to unpack and transform their self-worth to leave that imposter behind for good. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation about how to build leadership presence. Tiffany, it's so great to have you on the Leadership Habit Podcast. Thank you so much for being today's guest to talk all about dun, 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 leadership presence. Yeah. Thank you, Jen, for having me. Yes, you are welcome. I'm excited for this conversation. We're you know, going into 2024. I think this is an opportunity to really be intentional about how we show up and our personal brand. So I'm so excited to have this conversation but I know a little bit more about you. I loved even our pre-podcast conversation. Um, it was just great to learn a little bit more about what you do and who you are. But I would love if you would share a little bit more about yourself with our audience. Could you take it away, Tiffany? Tell us about yourself and how you got there. Sure. Uh, well, I am an executive coach and a leadership facilitator and trainer. And really, uh, I started my company Evolve because of my clients. So I had no vision or intention of running a corporate coaching or uh, you know, leadership development company. Yet as my clients started receiving extraordinary results, they started bringing me in to work with their team and in some cases with their organization. And so here we are uh, with Evolve. And then over this past year, uh, we created the Self-Worth Advantage, which is our new body of work. And this was such an incredible moment for us because, you know, we've worked with so many leaders who, you know, on their emotional intelligence, their growth mindset. Yet this year, uh, a bunch of our clients in the beginning of the year started to tell us, I feel like an imposter and I want to change this. And this was such a breath of fresh air for me, which sounds crazy. But usually what happens is those imposter feelings tend to create shame or people hide those feelings, they avoid those feelings, or they just try to power through those feelings. So to have new clients step in and want coaching specifically around this was a big eye opener for us. And which is why we curated all of our work, our research and our experiences into this new body of work called the self-worth advantage. 
I love that. I love it, love it, love it. I mean, so many of us don't realize the way that we're maybe discounting or discrediting or giving up on ourselves because of not having that confidence or struggling with imposter syndrome. And I say this as someone that is absolutely goes through it all the time, all the time. And I teach it like it doesn't. So I think we probably need to normalize that too, that if it does happen for you, like it's common, like how common you created a whole course because you realized, or excuse me, program, because you realized that this was a really a chronic problem or a big problem. Yeah. And I'm so glad you shared that, Jen, because me too. I too continue to have those feelings. And really, when we started looking at the research, there was a crazy stat, like over 40% of senior women, excuse me, women in senior leadership roles in America really do not put their name in the hat for a raise, a promotion when they know they deserve it. They won't even ask. So feeling like an imposter affects us women way more than our male counterparts. And so it is, and I think the other stat is like over 80% of people in the workplace feel this way. So one of the biggest things we tell our clients is you're not alone. This is not something you alone are experiencing. And we bet, we, (laughs) we say we bet, we'll place a big bet. Um, because we we've seen our in our own individual experiences and with our clients that this is very 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 common and they say as leaders rise up through the ranks we start to feel alone and we start to see less people at our level so that imposter feeling gets bigger and bigger because we don't have maybe a camaraderie or a collective of people to talk to Uh, which is why so many leaders turn to coaching, uh, specifically executive coaching, to have that support and that space to have open, free, honest, vulnerable dialogues and in a safe uh, environment. Yeah, so much there. I mean, I love the, you know, the reminder of how lonely leadership can be at the top and why it is so important to have a network or a community or a friend at work. But knowing that no matter what chair you sit in, you know, you can look at the people that have maybe they're where you want to be. But the empathy side is looking at it as what struggles do you think they have? And that imposter feeling or low confidence or gosh, am I even getting it right? Is magnified because you're put on the spotlight for judgment. And there's just so much there. But I love because we're going into executive presence and maybe those people, leadership presence, executive presence, the people that you might admire are struggling with it, but yet they have their leadership presence and they're able to manage it in a different way. So we're going to dive in and just start our discussion on how to build leadership presence. But all right, we have to get into it. You and I both do not love the expression executive presence. Tell me, tell me why you don't like it, Tiffany. Yeah. And and it's interesting because I used to, you know, I work with a lot of HR partners. So as a coach, we tend to work with some sort of senior talent or senior senior HR executive in a company. And this is common. Uh, You know, we're hiring you to help this leader build their executive presence or their media training or media presence. And as we started to really look at that this year, again, as we were putting this body of work together, we started to realize how that causes imposter feelings. So when someone is told or thinks they need 
to work or develop, uh, work on or develop their executive presence, the next thing that tends to come up is I am not enough. So I need to develop this aspect, which is not, which, you know, when you really think about executive presence, it's not a skill per se, it has nothing to do with you being strategic, thinking critically, you know, developing strategy or managing people that has nothing to do with it. The notion of executive presence is how you are talking, speaking, and in some cases, how you dress and how you address others, which, you know, I can say does matter. Yeah. Not how you dress, though. I think that's a little crazy. Oh, my. But really, yeah, it, it doesn't work anymore because we're seeing it from Gen Z, how it doesn't work. They refuse to conform to this executive presence. So if Gen Z, you want all these talented, young, next generation leaders, you know, if there is an executive appearance that they one day need to, you know, conform to or develop into, that may turn some of them off because we see with Gen Z, they appreciate authenticity. They appreciate uh, transparency. And they also, they want to create, they want to innovate, they want to transform. And if they have to now worry or ultimately or eventually worry or consider their executive presence, that may not work for them. And you may see them walk away. Um, or if if the leaders in the, uh, and this is so funny because in another lifetime, I used to work at tech startups, digital startups. And, you know, this was back in the early 2000s, late 90s. And, you know, for people who of a certain age or of a certain genre or era, you know, walking in or meeting some people from startups and you're wearing a suit, it was kind of like the reverse of executive presence. Like, so there was judgment there. Oh no, this person's walking in with a suit. They can't work for us. We're chill. We're laid back. So it just, you know, and, and really the main reason why I don't think it works is I don't think it's really defined in an equitable continuous way. So it could be mean something for women and it could mean something different for people who don't identify as women. It could mean something for marketing department and it means something totally different for the finance department. So I think that's another reason why it doesn't work. There is no, you know, equitable or continual. I'm going to have to make that word up like a very, like a consistent, that's the word, Jen, a consistent Thing that we're all aiming for. So it has so much room for our imposter to come out. And my, and we hear this one a lot. Am I polished enough? That's right. like the, the thing that we do to ourselves, and have the imposter come out. Well, I don't look like them. I don't dress like them. I don't talk like them. And that really pokes holes in our inclusion and our diversity as well. If we all need to look a certain way and be a certain way, once we get to the top. I love everything that you shared about executive presence from the trigger into the feelings of the second we're given that feedback, this is the second you start to really feel like you're not enough. I mean, that hits me because I know I've shared this story on the podcast before, but one of my pieces of feedback when I wanted to move up to the next level was, Jen, you need to be more vanilla and you need to be more of a yes man. 
And underneath that was my executive presence, but it had nothing to do with my performance. And in terms of, you know, my business was on fire. I was running, you know, I was working in a buying office at that time and my business was really great. I had some solid strategies. Like my numbers were amazing. I honestly thought I was ready for that promotion. And then that conversation happened. And coming back to the second or another point that you made talking about the how subjective it is that it was this microculture within the organization that wanted women to look a certain way. And I say that strongly because there was feedback of like, look more like her, do this, like wear this. And that was the microculture. And that was how they looked at executive presence. So I think initially I maybe fooled them because I always wore dresses, but they didn't realize that I was a more direct woman. And so then my voice started to quiet, right? And when you start to realize maybe I'm too much, I'm not enough. But talking about how subjective it is, what got you here won't get you there. And maybe that transitions that into like, we're throwing out executive presence for all of the reasons it's not equitable, it triggers negative thoughts and inner critic. How do you define leadership presence? Ooh, first of all, bravo to you for be standing in your authentic self in your dress. That <laughs> took a while. I mean, it's that was a hard time to get that feedback. I'm sure any achiever that hasn't gotten the goal, right, the promotion or what you're working for, that kills your confidence because that is a big value of mine is professional success. So to feel like I was being ridiculed for something that was unrelated to how I did my job felt yeah. awful. And then I started to believe it and I started to feel like I wasn't worth it. And my leadership presence definitely dimmed. Mm. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, as we talk about leadership presence, it's the same thing. It could, we could, that could fall into the same rabbit hole if we don't define it as an organization or culture, depending who is setting the, setting it up. But really your leadership presence is about you and what will work for you, what will amplify and have you grow as a leader not as a representative of this organization, but as a leader, because one of the things we see that works the most with uh, leaders, especially when they're first time leaders and this, and you'd be surprised, Jen, this happens a lot to senior leaders, seasoned leaders, when they start in a new company, they tend to have these imposter feelings pop out like crazy because of the feeling of, I don't belong yet. I don't fit in yet. Um, Hence, all those clients in the beginning of the year, there was a lot of movement, as there will be very shortly where we are in the year. And so the leadership uh, presence gets to be defined as an organization, but also be developed in as to what will support you. And so that thing that we always believe supports the most is the emotional intelligence piece, because that's, you know, and we talk about this in the self-worth advantage, um, emotional intelligence and the growth mindset. Because the, the, the real big thing that holds us back is us. Because no matter how the system, the organization, the culture, the HR uh, processes are put into play, the biggest person who pokes holes in our self-worth is us. Because of that word, self-worth, no one else has anything to do with our self-worth. So when it is compromised, we are doing it to ourselves. So even if we get feedback like, look more vanilla, we, we don't get to compromise our self-worth. We get to stand in our self-worth and ask questions, please clarify, 
uh, tell me more. Um, and we also maybe get to confront it. Hey, I hear you. And, you know, this doesn't work for me. Or how about this instead, which I believe will work advocate for ourselves. Um, and so leadership presence is very nuanced, just like everyone's experience with feeling like an imposter. And so when we work with HR partners and people partners, we support them in defining it as we do with the leaders with identifying where their imposter feelings come from, because you can't transform it if you don't understand what causes it and where it's, you know, what evokes it and provokes it. And so we do the same with HR and people leaders and then individually unpack or unlock what it means to you. Because maybe for me, it might be uh, giving people space, creating more of a uh, collective rather than being the person who leads from the front. Maybe my leadership presence might be leading from the side or leading from behind, really inspiring and motivating and coaching my team. And then for you, it might be something different. Like, I don't know. Let's make something up, Jen, real quick. It could be. Or, sorry, I was like taking a note because I wanted to follow oh, up. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. Or, you know, and then for someone like you, it could be, you know, the uh, leading a meeting. So that's something that we hear a lot that people need to develop their executive presence because they haven't done well leading meetings in front of senior leaders or the board or investors whatever, you know, make up their organization is. So that's why leadership presence, if we let go of executive presence and it's antiquated, you know, definition and, and rules, if you will. And we step into leadership because when we think of a leader, there's so many different things. And then as people and HR leaders, they know to develop a leader, there are many different tracks, many different uh, nuanced ways to do this. It's not just one cookie cutter way to do it. No, I love like it, there's not just one way to do it. And uh, the tie, emotional intelligence, it could not be more true. Like our leadership presence is our emotional intelligence, is our ability to observe, interact, and show up in our surroundings. And the piece that I will say that you know I think did attach to executive presence that I still feel is true, and I think you probably do too, is it is a felt presence, right? You can feel someone's energy and attitude. It's very much the shadow that you cast. But I love that connection that you make in terms of emotional intelligence. And this is what I was writing down before, leadership presence. And really kind of maybe I simplify it. And you can tell me if I'm getting this definition right. But the definition of leadership presence then is stepping into your own authentic power and your strengths and your gifts, but also understanding the environment or culture that you're operating in. That's leveraging the emotional intelligence. Love it. Powerful. Like, yeah, I, that's when I love that's that. pretty much it in a nutshell. And I think it's a segue into because if we're thinking about leadership presence and self-worth, you've got to believe in yourself because every single time that I didn't. And again, I talk about this because I'm a hypercritical perfectionist who beats the crap out of themselves often. Um, I honestly, I, I like to coin the, like, talk about the phrase, stop hating yourself happy. Cause all I do is like give myself those hate tracks of like, you're not good enough, do it better, do it better. And it motivates sometimes. And then other times it obviously like causes me to feel like why show up. So understanding that importance of really stepping into your self-worth, knowing that that's the underpin of our leadership presence. 
maybe let's dive into how do you then develop that self-worth? Like, how do you do that? Because it's hard and I'm in my 40s and I thought I would have had it figured out already. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part. Well, first first thing uh, as a as a collective, whether we're on a team or in an organization, is to first let's stop making it taboo to talk about self-worth. Uh, you know, most companies, they don't even have a strategy or a way to address feeling like an imposter, which is 80% of your people are experiencing this. Um, so addressing it, it's not taboo to not feel a hundred percent confident a hundred percent of the time. Right. And to be honest, Jen, I don't know any leader that is a hundred percent confident a hundred percent of the time. There's always something at some point, at some tipping point, growth, growth edge point that we are in a question. <laughs> should we? Shouldn't we? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do I know? I, I think I should know, but I don't. So that that's one piece. Another piece is really understanding. And we go real deep in this. In We do have a course for self-worth advantage, but it's also in the body of work. Um, really understanding what self-worth is. And how valuable, how much ROI is in your self-worth and how much it costs you, your team and your organization when you are compromising it and in your imposter. And really when people see those cold, hard facts and we don't even come up with them, there's, there are things you come up with. I mean, we give you like the research, but when you start getting connected and um, clear on how it's impacting you, the numbers don't lie. And it's not always percentages, you know, there's different ways we uh, support leaders and uh, HR people, partners with this as well. And then what I just shared earlier, and this is the thing that really supports a lot of people, is knowing that we are doing it to ourselves. No one can compromise your self-worth. Only you can. Only you have the power and sovereignty to do that to yourself. Because no matter what someone is doing to you or saying about you, how disrespectful they are being, that does not compromise your self-worth. Only you can create it being compromised. And so it is up to us to stay grounded. And in this body of work, we have, we work on this immensely after we learn and identify what is causing this. Because again, if we jump into the solution and, uh, you know, uh, what am I looking for here? The solution and the tools and the strategies, which most leaders want to do. And most people, partners, they want it right away. I'm like, I can give this to you. You could have it and you're going to get some results, but they aren't going to last. And I'm going to guarantee you're going to have to keep doing this over and over again until you identify where this is coming from. And so those are, Yeah, those are like the real big pieces that we talk about addressing this because the the one main piece of knowing you are doing this to yourself is such a gift because then you know you are choosing whether or not to feel bad about yourself. Even if someone said your this work was subpar has nothing to do with you and your self-worth. The the work itself is not up to par. Doesn't have anything to do with your identity and your value as a human being at all. I love that point. It doesn't, you get to choose. And that's where emotional intelligence is so incredibly important. But I love, you know, just rehashing, like stop making it taboo to talk about it. 
everyone has a brain, which means that we all struggle with this. And, you know, how do you define that self-worth? I wanted to dive in and ask this because this was a second thing. What are some examples? Where do you see it? Because you talked about you have to really reflect on like what it's costing us to not show up, to not love ourselves or believe ourselves, believe in ourselves. And we're talking about leadership presence. Like what, what do you think it costs someone by not showing up with that unconditional self-love or self-worth? What do you think it's costing your clients or what do you see? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the biggest is stress, lots of stress, lots of burnout, but also it, it costs decreased performance, productivity, and innovation. And that's why we also bring in the growth mindset, because if I doubt myself, I am not in my growth mindset. So I can't think about what's next or what's possible because I'm stuck in the result of failure. I made a mistake. I got quote unquote bad feedback or this didn't work. So I'm stuck there. That's your fixed mindset. And so with the, and, and you brought it up earlier, perfectionism costs us so much because in perfectionism, we procrastinate because we need to get it right. So we don't turn things in on time. Uh, we don't collaborate. We don't support other collaborators in their part of the work because we're, we're holding our part of the work or project hostage because it needs to be perfect. And then what happens is we think we are rock stars over here because we're doing work, but we're not moving anything forward because we are bouncing around from task to task, thing to thing, and we're not completing anything. And there's another stat that I think almost you just everybody spoke knows. some truth into me, Tiffany. I didn't yeah. need to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I wonder- learned that. I learned that the the, you know, the the way we don't want to learn that as well. And then there's another stat that I think a lot of us know that only 13% of C-level leaders in the world, I think it is, actually implement and execute their strategy. Wow. So right there, that stat to me just you know, I've known that stat for a long time, but when we started coupling that in and mapping it up against this self-worth and imposter data, data, it became so crystal clear. It was just like, oh, of course, only 13% are completing because maybe they aren't completing, but this is like a we, this imposter feeling and, you know, not feeling worthy is such a weed that it ripples out everywhere. And if, some, even one of us is procrastinating or standing in perfection or just doing work to look good. That's another imposter uh, result that we're not doing the work we are asked to do or the work that is aligned with the strategy or the goal that we're, we're doing. And because of these feelings of unworthiness, or I don't want to make a mistake, I don't want to look bad. This is my reputation. Uh, we actually are avoiding doing the work. These are just ways to avoid doing something because what we're really avoiding is being responsible if whatever the work we turn in is not the best or if it's not good or not right. And I'm showing air quotes to the listeners out there um, because these are words that we, you know, and just so you know, language is a big piece of self-worth. So there's a whole a whole section in this body of work we put together around our language, the way we talk, the way we write, speak, read, and listen, uh, that is really powerful and creates a lot of breakthroughs. And so it, it costs a lot. And then there are two types of imposters that come out. The common imposter, I don't, I'm not enough questioning, doubting myself, or not being authentic in the moment because you don't trust yourself. So you're 
being somebody else, you're pretending, faking it, whatever it is. And then the second type of imposter is the toxic imposter. This imposter is feeling that way. But instead of beating myself up, I project it out onto my team and my colleagues. So that costs turnover, that costs sabotage, that costs retaliation because of micromanaging or bully bosses. That is a very, very costly one. And that's riddled with passive aggressiveness, resentment, um, gossiping, complaining. Those are all classic signs of the toxic imposter. So all of that, complaining, gossiping, uh, sabotage, retaliation, that's costing you so much, but you can't actually see it as it's happening. So that's why I say when we really go through this part of the, the work, it is so revealing and so shocking to the leaders and to people partners who support leaders in this journey about how much it's costing them. It's, I want to go and talk like I have a curiosity question from your research. Did you notice any like, do we bounce between the common and the toxic? Are you typically in one? I mean, I think of fixed versus growth, how we both have both. So then that means that we must go between, but I know I don't want to say I'm a toxic imposter because that doesn't feel good. It doesn't. (laughs) And that's the point. So it doesn't feel good. So guess who we flip to? Ah, we flip to the common imposter because now we feel bad for being the toxic. And these are not conscious. We don't know. And that's one of the things you learn in our work is that there are two versions of the imposter feeling. So when you learn this, you understand. And instead of beating yourself, you're like, oh, I get it now. So going back to the emotional intelligence, you're raising your awareness around this stuff rather than just being in the cycle of it. So yes, the toxic imposter I'm pointing at myself. I used to be this way and I still do show up this way when I'm not aware. I'm not in my leadership. (laughs) When we then become aware of it, you, you like turn around and you're like, oh boy, you have a regret. And then you shame yourself or blame yourself for being toxic. And then you flip into the common imposter again. So it's a circle. Now I I don't think very many, com- I mean, I don't think it's the same, I should say, for the common imposter to be a toxic imposter. I think that's very, that's a different distinction. Uh, most, I would say most common imposter feelings do not trickle into um, uh, toxic imposter feelings, except for maybe complaining or gossiping. Mm-hmm. but not the heightened, intense, toxic versions. Um, sure. And people don't realize passive aggressiveness is a very intense and clear. People think they're down low with their, you know, distaste, dislike, discourse, but it is very obvious, especially in the workplace, very obvious the way you are showing up. Oh my gosh, I love looking at the passive aggressive people. Like, I don't take that personally anymore. My 20s that hurt. Now I... You know, knowing the difference between fixed and growth, I am just more inclined to be like, oh, they're really in this fixed mindset right now. They're in that prove it. I'm going to show you how smart I am. I'm going to do this. And that is all about them and not about you. And I think, but it is, how do you get off the ride then? How do you get off this circle? I don't know why I call it a ride, but I feel like that's a ride I often subconsciously buy tickets for. How do you get off the ride? And, or actually maybe said in a different way, is there a true 
the patterns that I notice from my work and with my clients is that once we develop that skill, we have that preparation, we have the experience, we have the confidence, then we feel good in that one area where we might be feeling like an imposter, but then there's going to be the next challenge that triggers it all over again. Is that what you see is like, is there a resolution and then a breakdown again? Or what happens? How do you disrupt the circle? Yeah. Um, And I love that you said that we buy a ticket over and over again, because that's what's happening. That's why the numbers are so high. And as I said earlier, that is the purpose of why one of the big reasons why we created this work and why in the beginning we identify what the imposter is for you, just like executive presence, leadership presence for you is going to be different for me. What is it? What is evoking it? What is provoking it out of you? So you are clear clear and getting this stuff into your consciousness, out of your belief system, into your consciousness, your awareness. So now you can understand it. So first step, identify. Second step, understand. Oh, I see what my path, because most of us don't do this work. No. And now we start to then bridge over into self-work. So we start with the imposter feelings, both toxic, common, identify them, where are they coming from, what, what's causing them, and then what evokes and provokes them. Understand it. Don't judge it. We don't get to judge the way we are because that's the imposter trying to push it all back down into your subconscious, back into your belief system. So we keep it up here. And now we can do something. We can play with it. We can coach ourselves. We can regulate ourselves, which is really what's happening. It doesn't go away forever, Jen. But we can, in our awareness, we can coach and regulate ourselves. First, by acknowledging it. Hey, I just realized I was gossiping right now. And that's not in my, that's not my intention. That's not my vision for my leadership. And I acknowledge that breakdown. And you just clean it up immediately. And maybe you don't even do it in the first version of you supporting your transformation. Maybe you don't even address that out loud. Maybe you take that moment and you clean it up with yourself. Ooh, I noticed I was gossiping or complaining. I I see that that was evoked or what provoked it was I got an email about X and I made up all these stories about Y. And so I just got to, I get to clean that up now. I love that. I get to. And yeah, yeah. And ultimately for my clients that I work one-on-one with and I coach, we start to have fun with this stuff because then when you, when this stuff is in your awareness and you see all the things that evoke and provoke your, you know, these feelings in you, you start to get a laugh because here's the other reality that I also get to remind leaders. You are a leader for a reason. You have the track record, you have the accomplishment, you have the success, you have the tenacity, you have the gifts and the skills to lead. And what the imposter does is it, it, it puts a blindfold or like it, it hides that in a clock. It doesn't want you to remember that. And (laughs) yeah, it totally does. And so you get to have fun with your feelings. You get to say, ha ha ha, you tried to hide the fact that I've been Uh, on the, you know, doing TED Talks or I wrote a book and you're trying to steal this from me right now and think I'm not enough, which in my experience makes me, I project it out. I don't beat myself up until I beat, you know, I project out too much. And then of course I come back and beat myself up. And so 
that's like a highly elevated, evolved version of self-worth when you can have fun with it. So let me just go back to that first level is coming. The, the way we move past this is first identify. You cannot move past anything until you see it. You need to see it clearly for what it is before you can shift it, change it, evolve it, transform it, whatever your language is. And that's the mistake that most people do. They want to get the book. How do I get rid of or overcome? There's no overcoming the imposter feelings ever. They're going, they're going to come up because wherever you are right, right now today, you're going to be somewhere different in a year from now or five years from now. You're going to grow. Your, your leadership is going to take you to a new space. And anytime you are in new or change, your imposter is going to come out. And then you have a choice. You're either going to let it compromise your self-worth or you're going to choose to stay grounded in it. And that's where we start moving into the second half of our work. And there's always a third act, Jen, as we all know, which is, you know, the higher level, you know, and this takes, you know, this is not easy work either. And it's not hard, but it does take your commitment because you had also said, how do I get a ticket off of this? You, you know, what has you get a ticket off of the imposter feelings? Usually, unfortunately, for a lot of people, it's feedback that they don't like. And sometimes it's feedback where you are getting let go. And that might be enough feedback for you to want to take a look at yourself. And that was why, you know, another big reason why we created this work, because we didn't want people to get to that point in their career or to tarnish their leadership reputation to a point where they're getting let go and nobody wants to touch them. Because that also has us start not being honest about where we came from and what we experienced and what brings us to this new organization. And so the gift also here is being honest that, that when you are grounded in your self-worth, you are able to be honest and know that honesty will get you further or farther. However, we want to say that than us hiding and lying or pretending or avoiding, ignoring or powering through things. And then now we created a big mess for ourselves because that's the environment we have to survive in. Yes. I kind of went off on a couple of times. No, that's okay. And I'm sorry that we actually have to like start wrapping, but you said a lot there and I do want to encourage people to play, have fun with it. I kick my butt all the time and I also laugh at it. And sometimes it's also really hard. I'm not trying to pretend, but have like, be kind to yourself. Like we're all doing our best, but identify it. You know, the majority of people aren't self-aware. Take that time to do the work because you'll look at going back to what it's costing you in terms of innovation, strategic thinking, your promotions. Tiffany, this has been a really great conversation. I love all the data. I love all the insights. How can our audience get in touch with you? Yeah, Uh, you can find us at selfworthadvantage.com, no hyphen. And you can find me on LinkedIn. at Tiffany Hauser. My gosh, Tiffany, I know I definitely look forward to continuing to connect with you. Thank you for the work that you do because in 2024, we deserve to love ourselves more. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on The Leadership Habit, Tiffany. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Jen. And thank you to everyone who is listening today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit Podcast. I loved that conversation with Tiffany and I hope that you're thinking differently about how you can show up for yourself in 2024. And if we at Crestcom International can help you in any way, show up for yourself to be the best leader you can be, we would love the opportunity. 
Crescom offers a year-long leadership development program that is all about equipping you with the tools needed to lead today. You can actually go to Crescom.com and schedule or request a complimentary leadership skills workshop. This is a high energy, high impact team building opportunity that you and your team will be so grateful that you did. Head on over to Crescom.com to find out more. And of course, if you know someone that might be struggling with their self-worth or thinking about how can I build that leadership presence, share this podcast episode with them. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.